It's time for Connect to Pease Out. The chief of police is no longer. Rod Connect did not have his contract renewed, so we'll be getting someone new during the budget discussions. And oh boy, will we have stuff to say about the budgetary black hole better known as the Edmonton Police Service. Hi, I'm Troy. I'm Mac. And we're Speaking Speaking Municipally. Municipally. Welcome back to Speaking Municipally, episode 12. Three months ago to the day we released the trailer for Speaking Municipally, and we're still here. Still going strong. Which is honestly an indictment on you, the listener. Let's jump right into our rapid fire segment. Uh, This Halloween, in the beautiful weather, my hashtag Yeg Kid Count was a depressing 25. Uh, Some houses got hundreds, but of course malls like West Edmonton Mall were packed. We now know the critical flaw in Target's business strategy when entering Canada. They should have just been giving out free candy and filling their stores with kids every night. The proposed operating budget came out this week. We'll have lots to say about this next week, but for now, the proposed budget is over a 3% increase next year. Inflation is closer to 2%, so I guess the one thing not represented in the several hundred page budget binder is Austeria Edmonton's hopes and dreams. Calgary City Council voted majority against continuing to pursue a bid for the 2026 Olympics, but the bid process is still continuing forward. Uh, This is simply because Calgary wants to remain consistent, and since the math on the funding for the Olympics doesn't add up, why should the vote tally in council? Speaking municipally is a member of the Alberta Podcast Network, powered by ATB. This week, we're going to talk once more about Otherwise. You may recall it's a podcast dedicated to empowering diverse communities living on Treaty 6 territory. Episode 2 was published just a few days ago on October 29th, and it explores the significance of land acknowledgement, what it means to be a treaty person as a newcomer immigrant, and the relationship between newcomers and Indigenous communities. You can check that out at otherwiseshow.com. So let's open this week with just a light, frothy, good news item. Uh, I don't know why such an item would come up this week. It's almost as if there's a provincial election coming up or something. Maybe. Uh, But Rachel Notley was in town announcing funding for the LRT. A big announcement for the Valley Line West, $1.04 billion, which is 40% of the projected budget for the train to go out towards West Edmonton Mall. Um, And also a surprise boost for the metro line lrt another 131 million dollars which will help the extension into blatchford north of nate really there's not much to say about this item other than hey great lrt is funded the one really interesting point is the projected completion date for valley line west 2027 to 2028 so within a decade we could have an lrt running functionally from millwoods to west edmonton mall that would be pretty impressive and would move thousands and thousands of people across the city so that would be very cool the other thing that was kind of interesting was who was at the announcement yeah so rachel notley was doing the announcement in town and i mean it's a billion dollars you're gonna have the premiere there right sure uh right over her shoulder was don iveson who last week if you recall was fighting through the media to get a sit down appointment with rachel notley i mean she was captive on the podium just sneak up behind and whispering to her msi that's diplomacy but another thing happened at City Council this week, which was affordable housing. Uh, what what came up, Mac? So the latest on affordable housing, you'll recall in the summer that Council approved a 16% target for affordable housing across the city in every neighborhood. Um, the thing that came up this week was a request for $67 million to build 2,500 subsidized units over the next four years. Now that's on top of a $65.7 million amount that was previously approved. 
Uh, executive committee talked about it and decided that this will get debated alongside the budget in the next few weeks. Uh, but the numbers are really interesting to me. 2,500 units is not even close to the nearly 50,000 households in Edmonton that the city estimates spend more than 30% of their uh, before-tax income on shelter. Um, and it's also not even close to the cost it will actually take to build those 2,500 units, uh, which is about $509 million, which means, and we check the math on this, the city's going to need another $377 million from other orders of government or housing providers. And this started a lot of discussion. A lot of people really didn't understand. When you talk about affordable housing, a lot of people jump to, oh, well, this is homeless people, which, right. granted, homeless people do need affordable housing. Uh, the cost that they need to afford is closer to zero. But affordable housing, like you said, there's 50,000 Edmontonians. It's just people who can't exactly make ends meet with massively inflated housing markets. We're really not seeing the other orders of government step up. And this has been a common refrain from mayors. So FCM and the Big City Mayor's Caucus has been talking about the need for more federal and provincial funding for affordable housing for it feels like a long time now, and we're just not seeing the traction on it. Maybe, as you mentioned, with a couple of elections coming up at the other levels, that we'll see some announcements made. But at the moment, there's a big gap in how much Edmonton's planning to spend. Really, affordable housing doesn't seem to win a lot of votes. Like, even during intense election cycles, you never really see affordable housing come up as the sexy thing that wins votes. I saw people suggesting on Twitter that Edmonton should just build affordable housing and then send a bill to the province like just as a city send an invoice to the province we would like 337 million for these houses we built and what is the province going to do could you imagine the precedent if we just started billing the province for all of the things that we wanted to construct yeah it's, that would be interesting it's easier to ask forgiveness than permission and it's easier to send an invoice than to get an upfront payment that is politics in a nutshell and this is why i should have won my city council <laughs> this sort of innovative thinking the other the other thing about this issue that was interesting this week was elise stolte's article where she was highlighting some alternative approaches to this so the very simple straightforward thing to do is go to the other orders of government with your handout and say please can we have some more or there's maybe some innovative things that could happen in the private sector to build these things in a different way and fund them in a different way. So I think there's maybe more to explore there. It can't simply be, we need more money, can it? We're going to be talking about money a lot this week and the next couple of weeks, but I think you'll find that generally giving the city more money doesn't necessarily yield the best outcome. Uh, sometimes you need specific direction attached to that money. For example, that is how a funicular got built. If the feds had just given the city another $25 million, where would we be now? Right. All right. Before we started, you sent me a Slack message about the operating budget, which we'll be talking about next week and saying you could just rant. I felt hours. like I could get on the show and it could be an hour-long show of me just ranting about the way we spend money, the things we spend it on. So look forward to that next week. This week, uh, you're going to get a bit of a rant, so I'm going to need you to introduce this item because there's no way I can do it without intense bias. Uh, Vision Zero and Crosswalks came up at committee this week. Okay, let me set it up. So this report came forward. Uh, administration recommended spending $2 million a year on this crosswalk fund, which meant that of the hundreds of crosswalks that need to be improved or upgraded... Over 600. There is. you go. Uh, that would take until after 2030. So that's a long time from now. Mm -hmm. The other thing that happened is Councillor Cartmel made a motion at committee to say, well, 
maybe we could speed this process up if we took some money out of the photo radar revenue. So he was thinking five to 10%. That would work out to about $4.6 million, which could be used to help fund crosswalk upgrades every year. Yeah, so there's a whole host of things. And really, I want to start with, it would be nice if anyone at the city or at council was good at or aware of their job. Um, that would have solved a lot of these problems. So to start with Cartmel's motion, already how we fund crosswalk upgrades, really the big problem is it comes exclusively from photo radar revenue. That is the only way we fund traffic safety upgrades in the city of Edmonton. So long has since been the process of we only have a limited number of ticket revenue. We can't go to general taxes. So that's why it's so slow to get these infrastructure upgrades. So already, photo radar revenue is going to this project. What Councillor Cartmel was saying about taking an extra percentage off, the idea was right, um, but you already have all of the photo radar revenue divvied up. You have to cut somewhere else. Or add funding for something that should be funded. Sure. Yeah. Well, okay. Let's, let's not get too <laughs> ambitious, Mac, okay? Okay. On Council, though. Don Iveson was being very reasonable. So the city currently has a policy. So photo radar revenue, they say it doesn't go into general revenue. It goes first for enforcement and then to traffic safety initiatives. And then if there's anything left over, we have a program called the Community Partner Facility Grant. I might have permuted some of those words. All those words are present in the title of the program. And essentially, it's just like to give community facilities grants to operate to make our communities better. We fund that from photo radar revenue only if there's leftover money. Now, if you look at the budgets, that program is continuing to be funded from photo radar revenue. Meanwhile, we're saying crosswalks won't be finished until after 2030. We're a vision zero city, Mac. Well, we're supposed to be. <laughs> yeah. Councillors really, they started getting to the right line of questioning. And the correct line of questioning on this item is a simple, to the Vision Zero program and to the Office of Traffic Safety, why are you unable to do your jobs effectively? It may sound harsh, but let's look at the ad that was released this week. Uh, for those listening on a podcast, you can go just search Outsmart the Dark and it'll be on YouTube. It's a 15-second clip. I'll describe it to you. A woman is driving a car, hands on the steering wheel, that sort of thing. Then a man is crossing the street. Suddenly night falls. Suddenly night falls, Which was sort a of. a bit weird. Yeah, and then it says in a sort of like whisper, creepy. Halloween style yeah. voice, yeah. Outsmart the dark. Let's address, nothing is being outsmarted. The driver didn't take any maneuvers, didn't look left or right. The pedestrian doesn't acknowledge the driver in any way. This ad is nothing. It is literally nothing. And this is a byproduct of the Office of Traffic Safety have spent the past five years trying to blame pedestrians for all their deaths. Uh, that hasn't worked out well for them in the media, but they're unwilling to assign any responsibility to drivers. So what you get is these nothing ads that get put out. That ad cost money. At some point, we have to ask, why shouldn't we fire all of those people who contracted the ad? Why shouldn't we fire all of the management who said, this ad is acceptable to be released? And why don't we direct all those savings to actually saving lives via upgrading crosswalks? That's the question that council should have asked. 
That's why I couldn't present this item. They didn't ask it. They they didn't ask. The ad is better than encouraging people to wear reflective tape, maybe when they're walking around the streets. But your point is well taken. If we wanted to achieve Vision Zero, we could put the dollars behind it and achieve Vision Zero. The uh, the other problem with some of these is we just don't have any bravery. We've acknowledged that we're a Vision Zero city as of 2015. That is what we said. We've passed this policy for eliminating traffic fatalities. But other cities, like, for example, Calgary, they're not a Vision Zero city. And yet they're pursuing lower residential speed limits. They fund crosswalks just from funding them because that's a thing that that's should what be you funded do. yeah calgary walks the walk and we're talking the talk but also doing that pretty badly we're we're not talking about it in a great way we've gotten into this sort of ugly situation where we're perpetually talking about it and doing nothing essentially the team said counselors have all these questions okay we'll address these in q2 2019 with our next vision zero annual report even with all these immediate questions about well we want to solve crosswalks before 2030 they said okay sure we'll address some of your concerns in the next half of next year i struggled with this report in our council roundup actually because it didn't really say much of anything like it had the date 2032 to achieve vision zero and they had some other trend information in there but it said moving forward a greater emphasis will now be placed on reducing fatalities and serious injuries like how long ago did we decide we were going to go after vision zero and we're only now deciding that that will be the greater emphasis well and if you look a couple quarters ago at our last annual report you had the vision zero team at council saying you know we haven't developed strategies or procedures to eliminate fatalities and reduce fatalities. So we're going to develop those procedures after two and a half years of the entire point. The other part that I want to address to this is we have this photo radar revenue bucket, which really 46 million a year, give or take, is what we take in via revenue for photo radar. Right. Some of that gets taken away. Some goes to the province for tickets, and that's how it goes. Some goes to victim services. The end result is the city itself is working with about half of that. We'll say 22, 23 million. Majority of that goes to the Edmonton Police Service. So we have this policy where we dedicate photo radar revenue, kumbaya, to traffic safety initiatives and enforcement. And that's really just because it's a politically difficult thing to do to put it into general general revenue. Yeah, the difference is, and I know you're listening, city councillors. You've reached out. I want you to know that I know that you're putting that money into general revenue. That's what we're doing when we put money towards the EPS. The EPS has no material oversight from city council. Essentially, you pass money to the EPS, and that money is gone in a black hole. You've written about this a lot. Yeah, I've written about this now. I was looking. It was actually like four years ago that I last wrote about this, and the story is kind of the same, that the police service will come to budget every year asking for an increase for whatever reason. This year, the hot topic is cannabis. We need to spend all of this money to do cannabis enforcement. And council in recent years has been very quick to approve them. Uh, when I wrote about this last, the discussion was all about the helicopters and not whether or not we should fund a helicopter or more police, but how we'd fund both. And at the time, Mayor Iveson even said that he was going to lobby the helicopter companies to make a more efficient helicopter, which just seemed ridiculous to me. Like, the question was never, gee, I wonder if the Edmonton Police Service, which is already the largest part of our municipal operating budget, could do something a little bit more efficiently. It's even more surprising when we've got a program and service review, this Council 2% initiative, all these things that have kind of come forward in the last number of years to try to reduce costs. EPS seems to get away unscathed. 
Transit is slightly smaller than the EPS. And yet when we're talking about the transit review, transit says you have to operate within your existing budget. No new dollars for transit. You need to deliver service more efficiently with the dollars that you have. And both, you know, they're both large parts of the operating budget. They're also both large parts of the capital budget. I mean, we build new police stations and other facilities, the technology for the police service, like those things add up. It's not a small chunk of the capital budget either. So that gets in, us into our next topic with Rod Connect retiring. He's the outgoing police chief. So he's been a police officer more, for more than 40 years. He was our 22nd chief of Edmonton Police. He was the chief for seven years. Uh, He's leaving uh, maybe a little bit sooner than he wanted to. He could not come to an agreement about his contract extension. He wanted to stay through till next June. I take it to understand the police commission didn't want him to stay on that long. And so he left. His last day was Friday last week. Deputy Chief Kevin Brzezinski will take over until a new chief is appointed. But he took the opportunity, Chief outgoing Chief Rod Connect, took the opportunity with the focus on the end of his tenure to talk about some of the projects that he had pushed for in recent years, one of those being the wellness center that he had proposed and lobbied for to be located in the former Remand Center downtown, which remains empty, nothing in that building. Now, this is a $93 million project. It would have been a collaboration between up something like up to 16 agencies, and he made it sound really good, like this would be a great thing for the community. I just found it a little odd to hear him talking about such a positive, encouraging, collaborative project when for most of his time as police chief, he was arguing for more money, complaining about the criminals at the new remand center and how much more that was going to cause the police service to have to do. Uh, it was a bit of a weird message. So we're pursuing a new police chief, and this is a lot is in private you can't really discuss a lot of your hiring practices for police chiefs in public that I could see how that could cause problems. Kind of makes sense. What are you hoping for in a new police chief? But you've invested a lot in sort of the management of the police and what are budgetary requirements for the police service. And the police chief has a lot of effect on that. Absolutely. I mean, the leader of the organization, any organization, has an outsized effect. Maybe it's too much to wish for, but I'm hoping for a police chief that brings in some innovation to the organization. I know that's a bit of a buzzword right now, and we've talked about it a lot on this show, but uh, I think if you look at the success of the police service, it hasn't been due to budgetary increases. It's been due to other approaches, other things that they've done to do their jobs more effectively. And if we had a police chief come in with that kind of a mandate, I think that would be really, really interesting. Instead of just continually going to budget every year, asking for another increase, I think it'd be great to have a police chief that says, we've got a lot of resources already. How can we do what we need to do to serve Edmontonians more efficiently? So we're talking a lot about the money that's going to EPS and these unquestioned increases. The EPS, they have to have at least some semblance of justification like that they're outwardly presenting. So what are the EPS saying they need this new money for? Well, the first thing to say about the police and their budget is that there's now a policy around this. So council earlier this year in June approved uh, the Edmonton Police Service Funding Formula Policy, 604 for you nerds who want to look it up. And it kind of outlines how the police increases are going to look over a four-year budget and considers things like inflation and growth, that kind of thing. So in the proposed budget, that we're going to talk more about the police are looking for a 1.7 percent increase in 2019 1.1 the following year 1.3 in 2021 and 1.0 in 2022 so you know one to two percent increases over the next number of years uh they have 
four emerging issues that they talk about. So increasing population and geographic area. So not only is the city just naturally growing as we're attracting more residents, uh, but also we're annexing a bunch of land to the south, which is going to increase uh, both the population and the physical size of the city. So they say by approximately 13%. Uh, if the Leduc annexation goes ahead. The second item, as I've already mentioned, we've heard a lot about is legalization of cannabis. I'm not sure they have any real detail on what they think is going to happen. Yeah, I want to stop there because like, I don't know how much it costs to hire a dude to stand outside the line around Nova Cannabis, but like, there is no policing costs associated with cannabis. People are docile. Like, we have seen what has happened when cannabis get legalized nothing happened and it's legal like surely we would have had more to police when it was illegal and people were smoking up outside i don't i don't get it so that's the second one third one is cybercrime they say as the world becomes more reliant on technology cybercrime increases and it can be really costly has the potential for societal disruption cool uh, and the last one is a catch-all. It says other issues. They mention Health Canada's approval of the supervised injection sites in Edmonton. They mention that we have a disproportionately large young and male population, which are two demographic groups facing heightened risks for criminality. I don't know about you, but I had a rager before we recorded this podcast. <laughs> so I wrote about this already, but I want to pull out one other quote that I noticed in the budget report from the police. It says, as the population increases, so too does the level of crime. And they say calls for service have increased an average of 6% per year. And they say responding to these crimes leaves little time for prevention activities. The thing is, when I looked into this now more than four years ago, uh, I looked back over the last 20 years. And in the 90s, the growth in headcount for the police really stagnated. We didn't add a lot of police officers at all. And yet during that time, crime went down consistently. So there isn't a real strong correlation between crime going down and the number of police officers you have going up. I don't presume to know what the cause of that is. Uh, all it suggests is that maybe there's other things at play that we should be considering. And when I talk about, you know, a new incoming police chief, maybe bringing a different point of view to the whole situation, that's really what I'm after. Like, what are the other things that we could be doing that offer greater value to citizens? Well, and it's interesting that you bring it up that like, you know, the police, they're making a claim there that really doesn't seem to be supported by the best known science. And if it is supported, they certainly don't cite such research. And that leads us to the entire discussion around police. And you were even conversing on Twitter earlier today with former counselor Michael Oshry about this very issue where police, they have carte blanche. They say, it's your safety. Right. You're not, you're not going to compromise your safety. It's really the police is extorting the city of Edmonton. That is what that action is. City council, for whatever reason, seems afraid to counter this narrative that we need to increase the amount of money that the police budget gets every year to the point where they have a policy that basically says they'll get an increase every year. <laughs> and we're talking about we want to hold the line to inflation on our budgetary increase, but we have a policy that guarantees the police basically whatever they want, which is like two... Almost 2% next year. Which is inflation. That means... We, we don't have any other room. Like, we're tying our hands with this policy because no one wants to have the public debate of, has the police gone too far? Are they making the best use of the dollars that are available? Because every other aspect of the city, we're talking about service reviews and about doing more with less. 
that discussion has never once been had with Edmonton police. And I want to be clear. I'm not suggesting that it's an easy job. I certainly couldn't do it. And obviously, it's very important. You know, I'm not saying that we don't care about safety. Clearly, we do. I think that's an important aspect of living in a city to have a great resource like your police service. All I'm saying is it's the biggest part of our municipal budget. We should be asking more questions about how effectively we're spending those dollars. I guess we will see if there are any questions about police spending at budget next week. Uh, If I were doing prices right rules on the number of minutes, it would be a zero dollar bet, Bob. Beyond that, uh, is, is there any other closing thoughts you have on police? I mean, you've you've written extensively about this, and you're probably going to continue to write about this. Yeah, actually, I think it's maybe time for an update. But, you know, I think there's a lot of actual, you know, research out there that people could read about, you know, community policing and those types of things that have led to, you know, the, the greater decline in crime that we've seen around the world. You can also look at Freakonomics and have, you know, their theory. There's other theories about why crime has gone down or up. Um You know, I don't think Edmonton is an unsafe city. I've pushed back against this idea that everybody in the city is armed in the past, right? That everybody's got a knife, as you say, on the bus. Like, it's just not true. I think Edmonton is an incredibly safe city. If for no other reason than we're located in Canada, like, it's incredibly safe compared to the United States. Sure, there are things we need to do to keep it safe and to try to keep crime low, but it's not the sky is falling, and that's too often the narrative. I mean, if you're walking down the street... Are you more likely to get stabbed or get hit by a car and die? Absolutely hit by the car. And the $12 million that we're spending on cannabis enforcement, we could just do all the crosswalks in a couple years with that money. That really puts into perspective the questions that are not being asked on this issue. Because really, we're talking about Cartmel making motion. Let's take an extra 5-10% from this budget to fund the crosswalk. Let's take an extra half a percent from the EPS budget, and we've solved all of our problems. That, please respond to calls for service at my house, Edmonton (laughs) Police Service. (laughs) That's going to wrap it up for this week on Speaking Municipally. Um, But like the Edmonton Police Service, we constantly want to increase our budget and get infinite amounts of money, and that is why we're reading you this ad. It's hockey season, as you probably know, and if you can believe it, the Oilers are currently in fourth place in the Pacific Division with a 6-4-1 record. Yes, we're above 500. ATB sponsors hockey from the grassroots to the pros, as well as tournaments and clinics throughout the province. So whether you're on the ice or on the bleachers, ATB helps make hockey possible across Alberta. You can learn more at atb.com slash hockey. Um, that's it for this week. Uh, as always, uh, check out taprootedmonton.ca for the latest on what we're up to and This week, though, uh, we're going to copy our good friends at the Press Gallery, and Mac's going to tell something interesting he read this week. So you, right off the top in our quickfire, referenced the Olympics and the big debate going down uh, on down in Calgary. And so I wanted to just highlight the work that The Sprawl is doing in Calgary. They're an online independent journalism startup, not unlike Taproot Edmonton. And what they do is they focus on a particular issue at a time, and they go deep. And what they've chosen to do right now is called the plebiscite edition, which is all about Calgary's Olympic bid and the discussion about whether or not Calgary's going to go ahead and try to fund that. So you can check them out at Sprawl Calgary on Twitter or at sprawlcalgary.com. And until next week, I'm Troy. I'm Mac. And we're Speaking Speaking Municipally. Municipally.